Lord, we just thank you for your word. We thank you that you want to speak to us through your word. And Father, we just pray tonight that by your spirit, you will speak to our hearts and to our lives, that we'll hear you clearly, and that what you are saying to us, we will take on board and let it lead and guide us in our daily lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, this week we jumped a few chapters in Ezekiel, and things have changed, just as Ezekiel was foretold. Jerusalem and the temple is destroyed. Ezekiel's wife has died. And the people who came to listen to Ezekiel before, really, they only came to be entertained. They listened to his messages, but they had no intention of putting the things that they heard into practice. And God said this in Ezekiel chapter 33, the one just before this one. My people come to you as they usually do and sit before you to hear your words, but they do not put them into practice. Their mouths speak of love, but their hearts are greedy for unjust gain. Indeed, to them you are nothing more than one who sings love songs with a beautiful voice and plays an instrument well. For they hear your words, but do not put them into practice. As I said, the news of the destruction is now known. But now, the messages of Ezekiel are going to become more relevant. Before they took little or no notice, now they will begin to take notice. Good question for us all. How do we respond to the messages that we hear from God? Do we listen just to be entertained? Or do we listen expecting to hear from God? And when we do hear from God, do we allow him to impact and change the way we live our daily lives? Barbara, my wife, listens to Joyce Meyer. I thought she was a bloke when I first heard her, but she's a lady. <laughs> and she says, many of us are educated well beyond our obedience. In other words, many hear what God's word is saying, but they are failing to let what they hear connect with their hearts, their hands, and their feet. It just goes into the head, and that's where it stays. God has chosen his people to love and to follow him. But instead, they had chosen to love and follow the ways of the world. Those first 33 chapters of Ezekiel have described the removal of God's favor because of their refusal to listen to God's warnings. Many things like that still happen today. Many are called to follow Jesus in their, daily, in their lives, but sadly their lives fail to show it. Sadly today, some still see church as a form of entertainment. They enjoy the music, the activities, the people. They even enjoy some of the messages but they don't allow those messages to change their hearts and to change the way that they live their daily lives. 
Ezekiel had criticized Israel's leaders for taking care of themselves and not taking care of their people. In this chapter, Ezekiel outlines their failures and he pronounces God's judgment upon them. Ezekiel also outlines how the good shepherd would come to take care of the people in a way other leaders had failed to do. It's a challenging and it's a very powerful message that Ezekiel now brings. It tells of the fate of the unfaithful shepherds, the work of the new shepherd, and the future of the sheep. Many people mock us for our witness to Jesus, not by laughing at us necessarily, but they mock us by disregarding or disputing what we say. A lesson we learn here from Ezekiel is that we must not let people like this cause us to give up. Our task is to always faithfully declare the message of salvation and also show it in the way that we live our daily lives. It is God's role, not ours, to make his message relevant to those he is calling. But when we don't fulfill our role and we are failing to live as God intends, we are failing to be effective witnesses for him. When we hear God's word, are we allowing it to shape our daily lives? Or is it going in this ear and passing straight through to the other and out, having no effect on the way we live our daily lives? That was a major problem back then. And the exile and the destruction of Jerusalem happened because of that. We must ensure that this doesn't happen to us. The first point we see in our passage today is God's criticism of the shepherds. Verses 2 and 3. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Woe to you, shepherds of Israel, who only take care of yourselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? The reference to shepherds referred to the prophets, priests, and kings, who are false leaders who were fleecing the flock for personal gain. God was not pleased with the way his shepherds had treated him or his flock. God is not pleased when we fail to live our lives in ways that reflect him to others and care for one another. We are in this world but we are not of this world. We are not to let our world shape the way we live. We are to let Jesus shape the way we live. This begins at the top with our leaders, but it also should be seen in every faithful follower as well. Today, many are drawn to Jesus, not only by the things that we say about Jesus, but by the way that we actually live and show the ways of Jesus in our daily lives. The saying, it's more caught than taught, is an important one. Those leaders back then were chastised for not putting the people first, but putting themselves first. 
They were not caring for the flock, they were caring only for themselves. They ensured they were well fed and well attired, but they completely ignored the flock. They ignored, ignored those who were weak and struggling. They did not help the sick or the injured, and they didn't bother about the strays at all. The truth is they simply did not care for anything or anyone, only themselves. So they failed dismally to display the ways of God because their hearts were not in tune with God. As Christians, we must be careful, especially Christian leaders, of not falling into that same trap today. We are to ensure that we care for the flock. Faithful shepherds will always focus on caring for and helping others, not just on getting on and ahead themselves. They will be seeking the lost. They will be caring for the flock. We need to take note of this because total failure and judgment will be the consequence if we don't. True leadership will always focus on helping others, not just on helping ourselves. And this principle, as I said before, is not just for leaders, but it is for every follower of Jesus. I would love to hear Jesus say to me when my journey in this world ends, well done, good and faithful servant. What about you? Are those the words you want to hear Jesus say to you? I trust they are. And I trust in life we are serving him as he calls us to. That he doesn't want to criticize us. Second point, God's judgment on the shepherds. This is what the sovereign Lord says. I am against the shepherds and will hold them accountable for my flock. I will remove them from tending the flock so the shepherds can no longer feed themselves. And I will rescue my flock from their mouths and it will no longer be food for them. The shepherds who fail to care for the flock are held responsible for what happens to the flock. God's flock, God's people, had become prey to the deceivers who led and drew them into idolatry then to the destroyers who carried them into captivity. Those who were supposed to be their shepherds had done nothing to prevent either one or the other. And that's why he's, God says, I am against the shepherds. They had been given a commission from God to feed and care for the flock, and they had failed because they were only really interested in feeding themselves. If they expected that God would stand by them now, they were disappointed. And God tells them, I will hold them accountable and I will remove them from tending the flock. I think all Christians, but especially Christian leaders, must heed that warning and ensure that they do care for the flock. Because failure and judgment is the result when they don't. True godly leadership will always focus on helping and developing others, not just on getting on for oneself. 
There are consequences when leaders fail to care for God's flock. They are removed from office and they are held accountable by God for what has happened to the people they were asked to lead. If leaders or if any of us are failing to do the work God shows us, if we are unfaithful to the trust God has given us, God is against us as he was against them. Peter learned that the hard way. And he urges us all in 1 Peter 5, be shepherds of God's flock that are under your care, watching over them. Not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be. Not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. We are to serve God because we are thankful for all that he has done for us. It doesn't just apply to the ministers. That applies to us all. We are all under shepherds, and we are all accountable for the way in which we, we discharge the trust that God has given to us. Just as they then were accountable for the way they had discharged the trust God had given them. God will take away any power that we actually had when we betray him. We are his sheep by purchase and by choice. He knows us and we know him. He has sought each one of us and he has rescued each one of us for a purpose. And that is to serve him and honor him in our daily lives. The question we all have to ask, are we doing that? Without good leadership, God's flock will be dispersed. If leaders follow the flock to wander, to go their own way, the flock is defenseless and they will become prey to the ferocious predators. True shepherd-style leadership will always focus on helping and caring and protecting the flock, not just on helping and getting ahead for oneself. And Jesus is the perfect example for us all to follow. Paul writes in Philippians, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ. We are to care for others as much, if not more, than we care for ourselves. It's a tough message, but this is the message that is coming from Ezekiel. The third point, God's promise is a good shepherd to come. This is what the sovereign Lord says, I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so I will look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they are scattered. God is so disappointed by the way in which those who were called to lead and care his, for his flock had disregarded their task. And God says 
he is going to take over as shepherd of his scattered flock. Whenever we might feel let down by others, we should know that we can always turn to Jesus for help. God is in control and he can transform difficult or tragic situations into good situations. Here he is promising to take over as shepherd of his scattered flock. When others fail us, don't despair. Always remember that God is there. He is in control and his promise is to care for us. He assures us that we can turn to him for help, no matter where we might be, no matter what situation we might find ourselves in. He is there, and he will transform tragic situations into good situations. The promise God made to Ezekiel and the people back then were fulfilled. The promise that God makes to us, his people of today, will be fulfilled. And the promises that God is making to those yet to come will be fulfilled. Because God always keeps his word. And we can have complete confidence in him. The big question we've got to ask of ourselves is, do we have that confidence in him? And then lastly, I just want you to see that Finally, God's promise of peace, verses 23 to 25. I will place over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he will tend them. He will tend them and be their shepherd. I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David will be prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. I will make a covenant of peace with them and rid the land of savage beasts so that they may live in the wilderness and sleep in the forests in safety. Unlike the shepherds that came before and let the people down, they will be able to rely on a shepherd who is going to bring them peace. The shepherd over them initially will be David. The ultimate shepherd, though, will be the Lord Jesus himself. Note, it's God who sends his servants to care for his people and set up a kingdom of peace and justice. The ultimate peace that God talks about is more than the absence of conflict. It's a peace that brings contentment, fulfillment, and security within each one of us. That sort of contentment, security, and fulfillment wasn't found in David, but it's found completely in Jesus. We will experience God's promise of perfect peace in all places and in every circumstance when Jesus is allowed to rule in the throne room of our hearts and our lives. We are members of God's flock. Is Jesus truly your shepherd? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the challenges and the assurances that we see in this passage of Ezekiel. We thank you that we can know that Jesus is the true and faithful shepherd who was sent to rescue each one of us. And we thank you for the peace and assurance this brings when he is Lord of our lives. 
Help us to be forever grateful and thankful. And please help us to live in ways that reflect that thankfulness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.